0: going on his own he
1: gets the try the Red 78 we're both monster people nobody knows monster rugby better
0: Carberry
1: gets over the line try from available every Wednesday don't miss a moment of action subscribe to the rugby channel on the OTB sports app and turn on your notifications now OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar you know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step
0: too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performances which just lacked that intensity. Uh, Roy came back in the field over the course of the uh, week in a, in a Legends game. Uh, booed as well uh, at Anfield, unsurprisingly. Collins says
1: he played well. The reports I read was he had no injury in the game. I you like, imagine? Colm says Roy Keane played well. What are the chances? There you go. So It is incredible watching those games. I only saw about five minutes of it. Uh, the difference between, it turns out, full-on elite Premier League footballers and guys who are... Even the guys who are retired a couple of years. Just how slow they are.
0: I, obviously, who am I to talk? Well, I mean, they have no hips or knees anymore. Well, it's, yeah, God, it's sad. It turns out you need your body to be able to do this. Because I, I was actually just thinking about this. You're looking at... Um, uh, so Thierry Henry's record <clears throat> Olivier Drew is about to break his record I don't know if he, if he did or not <clears throat> Sorry about that And uh, I was like Well Thierry Henry still looks like he could play football why, why do these players stop at the age they stop And then you're like And then you see them and, um, Because they can't do it anymore The body is broken Yeah Right, so this is how this works Uh, Every Sunday evening on Instagram We ask you to put something in red In amber In green Red is bad Amber is like a bit stuck Green is go, 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 go Go, 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 go It's the Gillette Labs performance rankings And we have a Gillette Labs starter pack Up for grabs every week Now, Nathan Alright, so we'll start in the red Uh, We'll start with the Republic of Ireland Oh, I'm surprised you haven't got them in the green You Kenny lover, you Well, you're getting off the bandwagon now After one bad result What's wrong with you?
1: Uh, well they were beaten so you, you win you go in the green you lose you go in the red and generally if you're Ireland you probably end up in the orange uh, the vast majority of the time uh, so do we like the orange shirts? I'm never that keen on the orange shirts what's, is that what's better? You, is black that, jersey?
0: I like black yeah I like black I love the blue I thought the blue was the amazing the blue was beautiful yeah, yeah. yeah. we well, get the blue back in for big occasions in.
1: Um, yeah I, again I don't think this was a a performance that anybody should go crazy for. Either way, I thought it was you know very well organized. I think he picked the right team, uh, played very well in the first half. Like it's not maybe what people had thought they might get at the start of the Kenny regime. You know, some sort of Barcelona esque tiki taka football. Uh, you know, they looked for the Scottish weaknesses. They obviously saw that their fullbacks were going to push high up the pitch. Uh, played a lot of balls down the wings. The centre half stepped forward a lot. And really got at Scotland, like played really strong counter-attacking football, and got the reward with the goal. And you just hope they'd kick on in the second half, like the game against Ukraine. They concede early in the second half, but even after that, like, if Troy Parrott scores a goal. Ireland are in the green, and Troy Parrott's got to score a goal. Like you have to take those chances. And I was making the point on Saturday night after the game that, like, there are things out of Stephen Kenny's control. So Matt Doherty, like, is it a little bit of Matt sharpness that he that he? puts in such a weak effort he's without question I think Ireland's best player but he isn't playing any football so is he just that slight bit off it in re- his reaction times and if he's playing all the time for Tottenham does he, does he block their cross does he make a better attempt and likewise Troy Parrott if he had a couple of goals this season is there a bit of confidence there that when he's clear through that he knows exactly what he's going to do but he doesn't and you know Scotland were a stronger team, certainly in the last fifteen twenty minutes. Uh, the substitutions, aside from McBennet coming in, didn't seem to add a huge amount in those last 10-15 minutes. But you know, I think a one-all draw would have been a, a very fair result, and again a sign that Ireland, I think, are making progression. Obviously, a very young side, seven players starting under the age of twenty-three, and not only that, if you look at it, like James McLean was the only player who started on Saturday night that had even ten caps when Stephen Kenny took over. So like, this has been a revolution. It's been a necessary one because Ireland uh, were heading towards a cliff. Like, this, it's the one thing when the criticism comes in of Kenny and these sort of results and losing to Luxembourg and drawing with Azerbaijan, losing with Armenia. Like, Ireland have been heading towards this really since Euro 2016. Things that were unimaginable once had started happening. You know, Losing four goals against Wales, been humiliated in the playoff. These things uh, used to happen to us, but it no. turns
0: out they're starting to happen with more regularity but well, I think Denmark came to, to Dublin and absolutely ripped us apart like when really bad uh, substitution decisions were made by Martin O'Neill who was standing on the sideline going you know what's happening here but actually in fairness the O'Neill comments um, have been uh, interpreted as burying Kenny but he actually did point out that Kenny played well Kenny's team played well uh, against Scotland and against Ukraine and we're, we're trending in the right direction here but you know, it gets harder to make that case when you lose games. Yeah, it, it's almost impossible <laughs> to talk
1: about a bigger picture when people go results, results, results. And listen, even on that, you can go either way. Is it three defeats in 17 or is it two wins in 20? Which one do you want to look at? Stephen Kenny's obviously going to point towards the three defeats in 17. Uh, and they are getting better. And these players have now have a lot of game time uh, under their belt. and. It feels as though it's a sort of established team right now, as much as you can have in international football. I don't think there should be any great changes for uh, tomorrow night against Armenia. Maybe Ogbene comes in. But that's the next big challenge. Ireland, as of yet aside from the friendly against Qatar at home against lesser opposition haven't gone and dominated teams haven't gone and scored a few goals uh, had a lot of possession created a lot of chances you know,
0: well. yeah and that, that's the thing it's like um, we, we we played really well against the Scotland team granted they were in the immediate aftermath of being knocked out of the World Cup and so um, you take you, you definitely have to take the context around that some comments right Paul Brown says our substitutions were really poor they offered very little terrible defending by Doherty and Brown Scotland really relaxed after Obafemi and Parrot went off poor from our senior players James McCullough says morning I'm very excited about this team the youthful aspect have shown grit we play great football we'll have rested players after the World Cup to hit the qualifiers running in March Euro 2024 champs um, The I, I think a couple of things are fairly obvious is that those players who aren't playing club football we will benefit from them getting some club football like we, we need Doherty to play some football we need Coleman to play some football and um, we we need Troy Parrott to start scoring some goals and having a bit of confidence at club level. Like the the difference between Jason Malumbi now and Jason Malumbi when he wasn't playing football is really stark. Granted, he's a young player and he's evolving and he's getting better. And but it's so different to watch somebody who's not fully confident about what they're doing week in week out, then being catapulted to the the national side. And I think it would definitely benefit us from having more players play. You can see the difference. Nathan Collins is playing all the time. Daryl Shea is playing all the time. It's great for us that we just need everybody playing football at whatever level. It doesn't really matter what level they're playing at. Obviously, it would be better the higher. But um, like, I, I do think there's a good chance Matt Hardy gets back in the Spurs team at some point over the season.
1: Oh, I, I don't know. Or maybe he just leaves in, in January and uh, goes to another Premier League club and starts getting football. He definitely needs football. Like, he looked... He looked like the class act in that Ireland team. When he got the ball, he had such nice, intricate touches out in the right wing. He was able to open things up in a way that nobody else was. But you have to assume that the defending for the goal was because he was just shattered at that stage. Now, he didn't want to come off when he was being taken off. He wasn't particularly happy about it. I think he, there was maybe a bit of miscommunication. He thought it was because of the injury he just picked up, whereas Coleman had already been togged and ready to come on. Uh, Coleman should get some football now. Nathan Patterson looks like picked up a bad injury for Scotland last week, so Coleman should be back in uh, right back. But these are the issues that all international managers are going to face. It's out of Stephen Kenny's hands as to what happens between uh, now and next March in terms of club football. Maybe some of those who are playing now drop out of sides. Uh, but you want a bit of depth where players can come in who are fit and well, informed.
0: form. Like, um, if Obafemi got the move, <clears throat> he, w- he would have been playing a lot of football. You know, well, I
1: thought Obafemi played really well. I, I, it's, it's, it's hard, with the exception of Doherty's mistake, to pick too many Irish players who, who didn't have a good game. Like Obafemi and Parrot, Parrot's work rate is touches in the first half. The chance is going to overshadow everything. But Parrott by and large had a decent game. Obafemi looked a real threat, particularly with the type of game Ireland were trying to play on the counter-attack. Like it was a sensational ball for Parrot for that opportunity. He, the, the one in the first half, he did look a little bit indecisive and maybe his touch at times is a is a tad heavy uh, Ogbeni came on and was brilliant when he came on like not all all, all the substitutions didn't work like, Ogbeni definitely uh, came on and made a, a big impact uh, particularly with that run down the right hand side I don't know if he didn't actually see a replay of the one the keeper kicked off whether he could have reacted uh, a little bit quicker and how big a chance
0: I don't know I mean was. It, yeah it, like it, I think it's one of those if, if it goes in it's a bit fluky like to to be able to react at all to get it um, I hadn't realised until was it you said it that uh, McGregor had been up all night with the the new baby. So maybe we. Fred Gordon, Fred yeah, Gordon. Sorry. Um, so maybe we should have taken a bit more advantage of that.
1: I don't know. Yeah, it's. Listen, was it game as these nations league games are between two teams that are you know not uh, a million miles away from each other. You know, Scotland do have players that are. At a higher level, like there's no getting away from that. But I think as, as much as we talk up these Irish players, like it is still just Gavin Bazunu and Nathan Collins who are playing in the Premier League every week. You know, Scotland had Kieran Tierney. uh for a fleeting moment uh, in at left back before he got injured yet again uh, you know, playing for Arsenal Scott McTominay obviously playing for Manchester United John McGinn yeah, I know Villa fans look at John McGinn this season and say maybe he's not on it
0: but he's still he playing was he was on it for Scotland he was doing all the things that Villa fans would have seen from him all the way back to the Championship And he, that, like if Villa had that McGinn week in week out they'd be pretty happy at the moment um, I see somebody in the comments saying there's a good chance that we're going to get relegated to uh, to the uh, League C, it's just not good enough. There isn't really a good chance that we're going to get relegated. I mean, we have to lose the game. If they lose tomorrow night, obviously they will be relegated,
1: and there will be insane pressure on Stephen Kenny, but I I would say, understandably so, if you lose at home to Armenia, uh, there's always going to be massive question marks, and listen, Ireland are in a difficult position for Euro qualifying now, because they're going to be third seeds, Uh, we see that France and England are among the second seeds, you might have Turkey among the fourth seeds, you could end up with a Incredibly difficult draw, and their ranking in the Nations League at the moment doesn't mean it's an absolute guarantee that you're going to get that backup of a playoff. So it, it's not a straightforward thing. There's no guarantees that you know this is going to be a success in Ireland. are going to qualify, and uh, this bringing through of all these young players uh, would have been worthwhile. But I don't think there was there was a choice. Yeah, like we we were heading towards that cliff edge of t- footballing talent. Like there was five or six years where, with the exception of Alan Brown, isn't he, nobody came through. So. What was the alternative? I know Damien laney was making the point that you know we can say he's playing young players, but he had other options. You know he could have played Jeff Hendrick instead of Jason Lumby, but he has played Jeff Hendrick. Like Jeff Hendrick dropped out after the defeat at home against Ukraine, having played pretty much every game. Like Shane Duffy is not playing club football. Uh, there's not what well, like, like that question. I'm trying
0: to think of it. Yesterday, well, like the what would be
1: the team if Mick McCarthy was still there?
0: You're lumping the ball forward to like Shane Duffy going up for the last ten minutes, trying to try and get on a header. And we're look, probably playing Will Keane and Sc- Scott Hogan up front. Like, there's a good chance that's maybe the front two if, if Mick McCarthy's there. Yeah. I mean, no, nobody wants that. It's funny how uh, look, we don't need, do we need to go back and relitigate what Mick McCarthy presided over, like. Well, no, we don't. But I do think football. we need
1: to and even, just remember again, I think that things were edging in this direction, that it was bad. a
0: struggle against Gibraltar. I don't know how bad we were at Parkhead, like when Martin O'Neill was there hmm. and Sean Maloney scored the winner. Now, that team still managed to turn it around from that point, but nobody was going to Ireland games vaguely excited to watch what we were about to see. You were going with this dread of like, well, I really hope we get a flick on from a corner and maybe we can get a set piece and... If Robbie Brady's delivery is at it tonight, then we have a chance. But there was nothing else. There was literally nothing else to recommend us.
1: Is that for us to discuss, like the emotional side of it, of wanting
0: to go and yeah, be entertained? That is for us to discuss by Ireland. That like, is
1: because should we be just looking at
0: performance and results? No, I think that like I, I think that this is the national team, and it has to go beyond. Like it, it's supposed to be a representation of who we are, right? Like it's supposed to be. This is. This is like the best that our football has to offer. And the best that our football had to offer for a long time was boring. And like we were literally in it for the crack to see if the fans could go and, you know, sing and get some attention on the global stage for being the best fans in the world, self-appointed. And that wasn't really helping football in Ireland at any level. And so I don't know, I think it's important that they stick with this for all sorts of reasons.
1: Yeah, and I think people do want to be entertained. Like I say, the, the reading what's in the papers today is in just such stark contrast to what was being felt outside the stadium, it feels, on on Saturday night, where Irish fans had travelled to Scotland and bloody enjoyed what they'd seen. And generally, it seems when they're going to the Viva, they're enjoying what they're watching. Now, yes, you can throw back, keep throwing back the results. Understandably, the results have to get better. And they are starting to get a little bit better. Like, they can't keep having the issues they're having against the likes of Armenia. But having sat through the Trapatoni era, and, and, and maybe there's a bit of a disconnect between you know some of the pundits and what happened in that sort of lost decade in terms of just how bad it was. Just how many people were turned off Irish football because of the crap they were being served up under Trapatoni, and then even a lot of it under Martin O'Neill. There were obviously some good performances in there, but generally, even then, we're sort of backed against the wall. We managed to nab a goal here and there. Like It doesn't take away from the brilliance of the victory at the time. And then, likewise, under McCarthy. Like, like, that's the biggest revisionism, that somehow that last campaign, like, oof, you know, Ireland, Ireland produced some... Like, they didn't... It was absolutely dire stuff to watch. Weekend, week in the weekend. results weren't yeah. much better. So, listen, I think they're playing a good attractive style of football that people want to get behind you know, stephen kenny's not the only manager in the world who can get a team playing that style of football and i think that's a good point that's not stephen kenny or sam
0: allardyce or well, Sean okay you're right however there's always a massive overcorrection when something like this happens there's always like in in all walks of football there's like we tried that it didn't work so we have to go back the other way and the the whole thing shifts over to finding a manager who is like almost exclusively results oriented like I know, the argument comes. Oh, who's even suggesting Sam Allardyce? But actually, like, uh, give us the list of alternatives that the FAI are going to consider here. That the FAI board are going to consider here, right? Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't see them. I don't see them going for another progressive manager with ideas about how football should be played and how there should be a connection between the national team and all the other football that's played in the country. That's that's unlikely to happen. I'm very sceptical about them finding a, a new manager, a replacement who's interested in playing good football, as opposed to, well, I'm just here to get results. So, like, I don't know, do they do they put a Chris Hughton figure in? I don't know. Um, he's obviously not available at the moment, anyway. Uh, but he would be probably. No, but that's potentially look, after the I don't think him, anyone so. wants that. Um, you,
1: you know, Brighton are the prime example of a transformation where Chris Hughton did a very good job
0: at Brighton, but they wanted more. They wanted more. They wanted to be entertained and Graham Potter brought them to that. I enjoyed the game. I thought the performance was positive overall. Pity we didn't hang on for a result but I do see a good team spirit. Nathan Collins is really excellent says Michael. And Damien just casually says would a United Ireland team perform better on the world stage? I'm English. Just asking. Ah, Damien. And a nice... 7.52 7:52 this morning, and uh, we're going to dedicate the rest of the week to answering that question for you. A reminder: OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish today your day. Ireland are in the red. I don't know. I think you can make the case they're actually in the amber, but uh, I don't pick these. You do. Who's next? Uh, Munster are
1: in the red. I, I don't think too many people will question that. So uh, beaten 23-17 by Dragons at Rodney Parade. Dragons' first home win in 17 months. And their first win over Munster for seven years. And to really rub salt in, J.J. Hanrahan scored 18 points for Dragons. And missed two kicks at the end, which would have made it a really easy win for them. So does, 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 does that make Munster feel a bit happy? How oh, we made the right decision there? These like, moments. These are the moments. I don't know. We don't want to throw J.J. in the red here. He, you know, he's on a winning team. Uh, but two defeats in a row to start the season. Graham Roundtree, by really going to town on his players uh, for the performance. How completely unacceptable it was! Uh, it, I know it was brought up last week about you know the sort of weeks, holidays they seem to be given before the start of the season. It does just look like they're they're off it. It doesn't look like they're ready for the start of the new season. I know they're trying to implement a slightly new game plan, and you know Andy Dunn was on Wednesday. Would be really interested in. Like these things just take time
0: to bed in. I accept that. I do accept that, and uh, I actually missed a bit where they were good. They so scored all their points in a five-minute window. I, I missed that part. I only saw the second half. But in the second half, there was like three forward passes where they just like, whoosh, like, uh, I mean, it's not a
1: good sign when the good is condensed into a five-minute spell, and if you just uh, nip out to the jacks, you've
0: missed the entire thing. And the other thing is that um, you know, it's 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 only the URC, right? We we understand that um, this competition, at this stage of the season, doesn't actually have that much meaning but you can't say that it was their B team or whatever it was like <clears throat> very very recognisable like a lot of their best players playing at this stage well also I, I think that was almost the attitude of times last season That's oh, the URC, it doesn't matter and
1: then you end up in the knockout stages and you find yourself in an away game in the knockout stages because you were sloppy at the start of the season now they're home against Zebrae in Cork and I think it's Friday night you know you would expect that that's a game you know monster win uh, with relative ease, and you know, you could point and look back on the Joe Schmidt era at Leinster and say it started quite slowly, and eventually they it did. They, they got it all together. Uh, but you know, Graham Rountry himself uh, was saying, you know, he was one of the reasons for his appointment was continuity. <laughs> I mean, maybe some Munster fans didn't want a continuity from the Johan Van Graan era, but yeah, they 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 look. A mile away from where they should be at this stage of the season, they've obviously lost a lot of players now to the uh, emerging Ireland squad as well who are going to miss the next two, three weeks. Uh, so you just from Graham Roundtree's point of view, as say that stink that's sort of hanging over Munster from the last six months of Van Grand's time uh, that needs to lift, particularly it's going to come around quickly at the start of a, a
0: Champions Cup. and I don't think there was there was a great amount of positivity around Munster to start with. I think uh, the new coaching ticket does obviously deserve time. So we shouldn't overreact to this. And we'll have Alan Quinn with us a little bit later on. Like, <clears throat> it's a new season. It's a very long season because this is the start of the World Cup season. So, like, we don't need Peter Mahoney and Tig Byrne and a lot of players to be brilliant at the moment. We need them to be grand and we need them to find form in the three or four weeks before the World Cup next September. Like, that's really what we need. That's what this. This next tell that to the Munster season ticket holders who just
1: spent all that cash and now you're saying, ah, oh, what we need here now is Peter Mackie oh, to just well, got cruise through a few games for the next year. Like, isn't that the biggest problem with the URC? It is. Everyone, does it matter? It's the oh, truth, well, though. it's all about the Champions Cup. Oh, it's all about Six Nations. Oh, it's all about the World Cup. Like, these are essentially just glorified
0: friendlies that they're charging you a full whack for. Like, what's the point of this competition? It's... a uh fundamental question that we come back to repeatedly, but well, the South Africans are taking it seriously with all their B teams uh, all winning at the weekend. So uh, it is going to be us watching the South Africans uh, carry cups away for the next 20 years of our lives. It's exciting, isn't it? We uh,
1: we could have put Bundy Aki in there as well, sent off yet again for Connacht and uh, having
0: a right go at the referee when he was sent off. But we can discuss that with Quinny. Um I I, I like <clears throat> I don't pay that much attention to dragons, I have to say. I hadn't realised that uh, the whole Dean Ryan thing had kicked off in the last just the last week. Um so he was obviously uh, in charge last season and was in charge for the first game of this season, and it severely criticised the players who got absolutely hammered 44 6 at Edinburgh and then wasn't around and then all of a sudden they come out and they beat Munster. So it's not like it's not like this is a Leinster team or one of the good South African teams who you've gone to and you've like, you know, you've put it up to them. It's like this is the worst team in the league. I hadn't won a game at home in nearly 18 months. Yeah, it's not a good sign. It's really not a good sign. So if you're a Munster fan, we'd love to hear from you. Oh eight seven nine one eighty one eighty is the WhatsApp number. As I said, Queeny's got to be along a little bit later on to um, give us his instinct about what's happening and how how worried uh, you should be at the moment. Uh, Leona Maguire is so close, but uh, so far away at the Irish Open. Yeah, oh, uh,
1: it looked for a while, yesterday back nine, as though Leona Maguire was going to go and produce this remarkable comeback having started the weekend, 10 shots back, and maybe go and win uh, the... Ladies Irish Open down at Drumolan Castle. She ended up finishing on 13 <clears> under par, a shot outside the playoff uh, weekends of 65 and 68. That was after a hugely disappointing Friday. I think she was devastated on Friday evening, around a 75, having started the tournament so well. Uh, but she sort of stuck at it. She was a class act in the field. Like she was by far and away uh, the best player in the field. And even with that 65, like she had, what was it? One, two, three, four, five birdies on the back of the line yesterday. Say she's still very disappointed just, because
0: we're just having a bit of trouble with your uh, microphone there. Um so we might get you a new one and um uh we'll, we'll you do the talking Jeremy. Yeah, I can oh there you go. Uh it's seven fifty eight this morning. Uh so um this is the bit where I was gonna ask Nathan what the course was playing like, you know, and whether or not Tremoland was uh, a difficult place to navigate your way around. But um the listeners are never going to get to, to find that out. 87 180, 180 is the WhatsApp number if you want to get in touch with us. A reminder, OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. So far in their heads, we've had uh, the Republic of Ireland and Munster in the green, Irish rowing and Eric Donovan. Uh, so we're going to talk about those in just a second. And uh, Leona is in the orange after nearly winning the KPMG Irish Open. Um, right, I think... Uh, no, you're not back yet. A reminder, Braeburn Coffee... Is the official coffee partner at OTB. I'm Braeburn. just uh,
1: delaying this as much as possible.
0: Every week, we give one lucky viewer a hundred euro voucher to spend on some Braeburn coffee goodness at an Apple Green store near you. To enter, check out at Off the Ball. Just make sure it's on Twitter. Like and retweet our Braeburn competition post, and you'll be in the draw. Braeburn Coffee never compromises on quality or taste to give you the best on-the-go coffee experience on the road. It's available at Apple Green
1: today. Uh, the great thing about playing in the Pro-Am was that you did get to play it like the pros because you could use their drive, so you were hitting your approach from the same spot where they would be hitting their approach. And uh, The back nine is set up brilliantly for tournament golf because there's two par, three, two par fives in the final three holes, and there's also a drivable par four. So Laura Beveridge, uh, who we played with in the Pro-Am, ended up playing the final four holes in five under par. Uh, finishing just a couple of shots back so that was there for Leona Maguire there was so many birdie opportunities and the one I'd say that got away was 15 which is a drivable par 4 uh, there was more birdies than pars on it during the week and she ended up powering it yesterday uh, she had a chance to chip in on 18 for eagle and it just rolled on by you know both of those opportunities to get yourself into a playoff and as I say she was by far and away uh, the class act in the field but you know she turned up it was very much out of her calendar and her schedule she was over in Seattle playing last week uh, she made the decision to come back to support the event because it's been a decade since it's been the Women's Irish Open uh, and she was the big draw uh, there was great crowds down there yesterday it was a bit strange watching it because the final few groups there wasn't big crowds around them because everybody Everybody was following Leona Maguire, who teed off about an hour before uh, the leader. So she gave everybody a good run for their money. Uh, Clara Spilkova of the Czech Republic eventually won out. It was a three-way playoff, and uh, Spilkova was the winner. All right. Are you showing in the green? Uh, Yes, yet again, Irish rowing uh, in the green. Four medals at the World Championships. uh, Two of them gold. Uh, Yesterday, Sunita Perspore and Zoe Hyde uh, completed a really good World Championships for Ireland. They won bronze in the women's double skulls. Obviously, Sunita Perspore is a two-time... Former gold medalist, Uh, I think everyone sort of expected she might retire after the Olympics. It was a really disappointing Olympics. She's 40 now. Sort of said she just hadn't made a decision, so she kept training. And was putting her mind, well, why don't you hop on a boat with Zoe and see how you get on. And uh, they'd rock up at a World Championships and end up with a bronze medal. Uh, That followed the the usual, the usual from Paula Dunlap and McCarthy. Just another gold medal. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was just the usual, it turned out. Yeah. I wouldn't say expectations are high, but it's you know it'd be the greatest disappointment in Irish sport if they don't win gold at this stage. Ooh, ooh! It was just like they're they're at that level of greatness right now that we assume every time
0: we take it for granted uh, how good they are. Yeah, we probably shouldn't be taking stuff for granted though, given like we're a small country, you know. Which this hasn't happened before, so. We shouldn't take it for granted. And uh, uh, look, the the achievement is the thing. Like the scale of the achievement and the consistency of the achievement is the thing. The post-race interview is um, coming in for some criticism here from Colin Sheridan at the back of the examiner. He says the bid is getting old. Um, it, I don't know, was there a beef? Was there a beef with Killick? Is there something going on that we don't know? Or is it just like he's he's very tired in the immediate aftermath of like winning something and hasn't quite got his thoughts around to, I need to think about what I'm going to say here.
1: Yeah. There is that possibility. (laughs) They've just been through uh, an absolutely grueling race, and we're expecting them to be totally coherent. Uh, Can you beef with David Gillick? You can't beef with David Gillick. No, I don't think so either. Okay, so uh, what else is in the green? I've got to mention Katie O'Brien. Gold for Katie O'Brien as well. And Itha Casey and Margaret Kremen uh, won a bronze. And also in the green, Eric Donovan. So this was uh, Saturday night. I was uh, trying to follow it uh, on my phone in Glasgow. Eric Donovan, uh, European Union Super Featherweight Champion, uh, thirty-seven now. Belfast Europa Hotel uh, beats Khalil El Hadri. Uh
0: Trying to watch back the highlights and looking at the photos, it looked like it was an absolute war. Yeah, the tenth round. If you haven't, if you if you haven't watched this, I'm sure it's on the TG Car Player. But the um, the tenth round is like an all-time classic Irish boxing round where they just literally put their heads together and start banging away. And um, for him to survive that and to come through with the victory, like a lot of controversy in terms of the decision afterwards from his opponent and his opponent's team saying that they thought they'd won the fight. A lot of um, people thought that it could have gone either way, that uh, Eric Donovan was landing the higher number of punches. But his opponent, as Eric said, hit like a mule and was definitely doing the more damage so if you see eric's face afterwards uh it's much more cut up than his opponent but like what the judges are looking for isn't how hard you're hitting they're looking for a clean number of punches and uh who's the aggressor in the fight so look you know uh he pays your money he takes a choice with that stuff um for him at this stage of his career michael conlon afterwards was uh was on tg car and he was saying you know there's there's plenty of opportunity for him out there if he wants it but actually maybe now might be the time to ride off into the sunset Eric talked about this being redemption in another interview that I saw with, uh, with one of the websites and I always felt like even if he didn't make it to the level of winning the title the redemption has come from the fact that everybody who ever meets him or watches him comes away feeling more positive about themselves and with like intense loyalty towards him because he's such a good person and his comeback story is truly remarkable and I think it deserves a much wider audience and I hope it finds that wide audience over the next while because if, if you know, if if this was if Irish sport was functioning properly we'd be giving Eric a role in Irish sport that was important and valued and um, you know, like he, he goes around schools telling his story to schools but there should be some formal recognition of that I think like the Kildare Sports Partnership or the Lourdes Sports Partnership could do worse than having him embedded there and the, uh, Sport Ireland could do worse than co-opting him onto some boards and just getting his story out there because it is an incredible recovery from the situation he found himself in after he left amateur boxing to the point where he is now, where he can stand and tell his story and explain to people the difficulties that he's had in his life away from the ring and then to come out the other side of it. So I hope he retires, though. I hope that now this is it, that at 37, he's climbed his Everest and he's looked around and gone, well, that was pretty good because it's a very special end. And even if there is a homecoming fight in Kildare, like, you know, every single fight from this point forward is probably the law of diminishing returns. And he deserves his retirement. He deserves to go out on this high. So, um, yeah, to go back and watch that 10th round. Like, absolute warrior stuff. And for him to come through that is sensational. So I wish him all the best. All right. He's okay. a legend, by the way. He's like, he's just, it, my ma taught him in school and, you know, he talked afterwards. Like, in the immediate aftermath of going those 12 rounds, he just leans in and starts listing off all the people in his life. So, Don McRourkins and St. Michael's Boxing Club, 30 years ago, he walked in as a seven-year-old and how it changed his life. And you could see that there were people there in in the uh, in the Europa Hotel who had been part of that journey the whole time. And he's like, he is of all of the people in Irish sport who you meet you go oh he's he's a nice guy I've never met anybody ever to say anything other than he's he's not just a nice guy he's a lovely person like he's a really good human being so um, I can't recommend him enough yeah his
1: wife Laura's there I think eight and a half months pregnant so I uh, expect that might come into his thinking as well as to what happens next
0: yeah a busy time a busy time so um, you know that might be an excuse to quit running instead of uh, changing nappies but don't do it Eric change the nappies and uh, and lean in. Uh, we could have had three in green, of course. We could have had Zach Tuohy and Mark Connor in there as well on the AFL Grand Final. Yeah, absolutely. It was. I think it was one way traffic. I, I mm. I'd be bluffing if I said any more about um, the game. But the, the post celebrations have been um, have been lit. Oh yeah, I haven't been following. Have they been all over TikTok? Uh, well, just the, the like he had the come on the town.
1: Oh, um, yeah. Uh, that that did raise an interesting uh, question a lot of people are wondering is like is Port Leash now the town more uh, so than Dundalk well I think everybody thinks they're the town I think Dundalk was just assumed to be the town
0: did Port Leash just steal that from them well uh, I mean uh, the Thai footballers said uh, they were the town okay. that's, that's how it works that's how it I works I think but for national recognition nationally Dundalk was the town uh, right, your, your microphone's gone again there, Nathan, so I don't know what the issue is. It's, um, there are some gremlins in the system. It's seven minutes past eight this morning. Uh, right, that was this week's Gillette Labs Performance Rankings. OTBAN's Performance Rankings with Gillette.